All right, family, welcome, welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor MDH. Thank you for joining us here again on the set. Um, we are so thankful for you guys' followership and viewership, um, those who tune in every single week to this podcast. We thank you. Uh, remember, 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 wherever you are watching us from, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you like, follow, and subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you click that bell to the right so that you are notified every time a new episode appears. Uh, you will be in the know. Um, we thank you guys for how much you have supported us over this last year. Um, it's been a great blessing. Uh, I am in the studio by myself today, but I want to talk about something that is so passionate and so dear to my heart. Uh, I talk about this at great length. Um, I, I do um, roundtable discussions, and, and we talk about this a lot, as I believe that this is one of the most under-talked-about subjects in our, in, in our land. Um, and it is about the topic of fathers. Um, one of the greatest joys of my life, uh, I've been married for 20 years to my wonderful wife, Miss Jamie Holman, um, and by that union, God has blessed us with four beautiful children, uh, Vinchelle, Markayla, Marcus Jr., and Faith. And let me tell you, the, one of the joys of my life has been being a father. Um, it's been being a father. It has been an absolute joy uh, and a privilege uh, to assume that designation uh, in my life. Um, you guys know that it's a passion of mine because of my own history, my own upbringing uh, in regards to my own father or fatherlessness in my own life. Um, and so being a father is something that I deeply cherish from the depths of my being. And with Father's Day coming up this week, uh, Father's Day coming up this week. Father's Day is coming up this week. Uh, we don't need any more ties. We don't need any more mugs or any more socks. Uh, we've got enough ties and socks and we've got enough cups. Uh, Father's Day is not something that is celebrated in passing, um, but it is my intention to put a whole lot of attention on Father's Day because uh, fathers matter. Fathers matter. Um, and I want to talk about this today because there is some things that we need to talk about to understand the importance of fathers and fathers being present in their children's lives, not just occupying space, but being present in their children's lives. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about fathers. As a matter of fact, the word father is mentioned 979 times from Genesis to Revelation. So the Bible has a whole lot to say about fatherhood. It has a lot to say about fatherlessness, and it has a lot to say about fathers who assume the role um, that God has designed for them to walk in. But as we're getting ready to celebrate Father's Day, it's important that we understand how this thing came about because I find this very, very interesting, very, very interesting on how we celebrate Father's Day and how we had to go through all of these hoops and these uh, go through all of these different things in order to get Father's Day officially recognized as a national holiday. 
Um, well, the first Father's Day was founded in Spokane, Washington at the YMCA in 1910 by a young lady called, uh, named Sanara Smart Dodd, uh, who was born in Arkansas. Uh, the first celebration on June 19th of 1910 was she was to celebrate her father, uh, Civil War veteran William Jackson Smart, a single parent who raised six children. Uh, now, Mrs. Smart's mom had unfortunately died during one of the childbirths of her siblings, to which her father, William Jackson Smart, uh, stood in as father and raised those six children all by himself. In May of 1909, Sonara Smart Dodd of Spokane, Washington, sat in a church listening to a Mother's Day sermon when she decided to designate a day for her dad, William Jackson Smart. Um, the following year, Dodd went to celebrate the Father's Day on June the 5th, which was her father's birthday, and petitioned for a holiday to be recognized in the city of Spokane, Washington. Uh, Spokane's mayor pushed the date back by two weeks, and the first Father's Day celebration was on June 19th, uh, 1910. At the first Father's Day celebration, young women handed out red roses uh, to their fathers during a church service, and large baskets of roses were passed out all around with attendees encouraged to pin a rose in honor of their fathers. Red roses for the living, white roses for those who have been deceased. And Dodd then brought her infant son along in a, ho a horse-drawn carriage and to ride throughout the city, bringing roses and gifts to all of the homebound fathers. Now watch this. While Congress was officially, uh, was quick to officially declare the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day in 1914 after it was first celebrated on May the 10th in 1908, it took much longer for Father's Day to be legally recognized. Uh, but thanks to Dodd's celebration, the Father's Day steadily gained popularity. And in 1924, Pre uh, President Calvin Coolidge said that he supported it in order to establish closer relationships between fathers and their children and to impress upon fathers the full measure of their obligations. After the holiday gained more traction in 1938 when the trade organization, the National Council for the Promotion of Father's Day, was formed by a men's clothing retailer in New York, they decided to take up the cause by giving out suits to all of the fathers. Now watch this. So that was in 1938. It wasn't until President Lyndon B. Johnson issued the first presidential proclamation honoring fathers in 1966, but it wasn't until 1972 that President Richard Nixon signed public law that made it a permanent holiday. So it started all the way in 1910, but was not officially recognized as a holiday until 1972. 62 years after the first Father's Day, it was finally recognized as an official holiday. When, when you're looking at when Mother's Day was formed in May the 10th, 1908, uh, it was declared a national holiday the second Sunday in May in 1914. So six years after the official Mother's Day, uh, Mother's Day was recognized as an official holiday uh, here in the United States. But it was 62 years after the first Father's Day that it was recognized 
as an official holiday in these United States. And so Father's Day is officially about 121 years old and has been around for quite a long time, but it does not get the same recognition as does Mother's Day. Y'all know CMEs, those Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter Christians that only come to church on those particular holidays. I dare you to go try to find a restaurant on Mother's Day. Uh, I dare you to go out and after you leave church and celebrating the Lord's Day with your mother on Sunday to go out and trying to find a spot unless you have reserved that uh, on that particular day because all the restaurants are packed to capacity of Mother's Mothers and fathers, uh, mothers and sons and daughters that are uh, celebrating their lovely mother. And as we should, uh, as we should, Mother's Day is a big deal for out of the mother we all came. But fathers have been pushed to the wayside. And Father's Day has just become a blip on the radar that is not really celebrated in the manner by which it needs to be. So I am here today on the set of Studio B to show you, to implore you about the importance of fathers. And when a father is involved in the lives of his children, his children are exponentially better. They are more prepared to tackle life. They are more prepared to be successful in life when the father is an integral part of their lives. So I want to talk about a couple of different things. One, I want to talk about this pandemic, this epidemic, this worldwide crisis of fatherlessness, um, because it is an epidemic. Um, It is a crisis Um, And it is something that is ravaging our communities and not just in the African-American community, by which I'll give you some numbers, um, but also in the Anglo community, also in the Hispanic community. Uh, One of the one of the one of the steady paces that you do not see fatherlessness happening is in the Asian community. Their numbers have never spiked, uh, which is a very interesting dynamic uh, to understand that. But anyone can father a child, but being a dad takes a lifetime. Fathers play a role in every child's life that cannot be filled by anyone else. This role can have a large impact on the child and can help shape him or her into the person that they will become. It is an extremely important assignment for the father to take on his role in the home. Uh, Fathers provide emotional and supportive development to our children. It it is very, very important to understand that the fathers set the bar on how relationships are gauged. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about this, everybody. It, It has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to say about this. The way that a father treats his child will influence what he or she looks for in other people. Uh, Friends, lovers and spouses will all be chosen based on how the child perceives the meaning of the relationship with his or her father. The pattern that a father sets in a relationship with his children will dictate how his children relate to other people. We play a pivotal role in the upbringing and the emotional and supportive development of our children. Now, that does not mean that our children are going to make all the right decisions, even if we are intricately involved in their lives, for they are still people. 
Okay, so they're still going to walk down the wrong road and make some of some some wrong decisions. However, uh, when fathers are intricately involved, they're there from the beginning, the middle and the end. Um, we play an absolute uh, dynamic part in the upbringing of our children. So what does the Bible say? I want to give you just a couple of these. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, but I want to merge um, because here we're going to give you the facts. We're going to give you the facts. We're going to give you the facts. And we're also going to provide you a practical way to understand these things and walk them out. What does the Bible say about fatherhood? Well, one of the first things that we know about God is that God uh, likens himself to be a father. Um, I'll even share with you even... Um, to the 1,000th time <laughs> that I've said this, but um, I, I believe that many people see the glory, but they don't know the story. There's always a journey behind the destination. And so because I'm so passionate about being a father, because I love my children and I want to be involved in their lives and making sure that I am providing a foundation by which they can thrive from, uh, that mentality comes from a past experience. Um, because me being 48 years old this year, should the Lord spare my life, uh, I did not find out my dad's first name until I was 27 years old. It was at my 27th birthday at Razoo's in the Fountains. Uh, we all had some family around, and we were doing the family dinner, and it was at that particular time that I found out my dad's first name. At 27 years old, I never knew my dad's first name. I had no idea of who he was, and I'm talking literal. I'm not being figurative. I had no idea of who he was. But at that particular birthday party, I found out my dad's first name for the first time in my life at 27 years old. It wasn't until I was 38 that I actually spoke to him for the very first time. Uh, it was an unctioning of the Lord um, to to reach out and to call him, and that I did. I found out his name and his number, and I made a call to him at 38 years old for the first time in my life. Uh, I actually spoke to my dad for a total of maybe about eight to ten minutes. Very, very general conversation. Um, the conversation was just a part to me having to get this off of my chest and move Move on with my life as best as I possibly could. So I reached out to him at 38 years old uh, for about eight to 10 minutes on a phone call, uh, told him that I would come and pick him up and, and that I would treat him to lunch, his choice of restaurant. Um, that particular conversation did not pan out to be anything um, of significance. We never had lunch. We never talked again um, until almost six years later when I was on a mission trip in Ch Chiquimalia, uh, Guatemala. I was on a mission trip uh, in Guatemala a few years ago, and we were all sitting around at the table. This is after we had come back in from an assignment. We were sitting down having dinner um, at the hotel, the team and I, and I get this call, um, this number, and I answer the phone, and on the other end of the phone was my father, uh, who had called me. Now, I uh, called him at 38, nothing happened from 38 until 44, and then I get this call that here is my father calling me on the phone. 
And so he had called me to say that his mother, my grandmother, uh, was on her last leg and she was getting ready to transition, to which he spent a couple of minutes talking about uh, the situation that he had been uh, been in and what had caused him to do what he had did. Now, let me just share this with all of those who may be listening. Um, from the deepest recesses of my heart, I hold absolutely no animosity for him not being there. Um, God is good and God has granted me a forgiving heart. There is absolutely not a bone in my body that holds anything against him. I do not know the circumstances that were surrounded um, uh, by him at that day. So every man must do according to what he thinks he needs to do. And so I have since a long time ago have forgiven and moving on with him not being in my life. But that situation happened at 44. Now here I am approaching 48 and there has still been no real development in my life in regards to my father. I take that experience of me not having a father and I bring that into my sphere today with my four children. Um, and what I've done is try to make sure to the best of my ability that my children, my four children, my three daughters and my son never experience a day where their dad is not there. Uh, I want them to be able to put their hands on me. I want them to be able to call me at a moment's notice. I want them to know and to believe from the very depths of their being that their father is there and that he will always be there. So how passionate I am, how serious I am, how committed I am to being a father comes from a past experience. So the Bible has a lot to say about that. Um, when I first got saved in 2008, excuse me, in 1998, uh, one of the difficulties that I had in translating the Bible and really connecting to the Bible was this idea of God being a father, um, because I had no correlation by which I could connect those dots. Um, you know, when, when, when the Bible says through God that I will never leave you nor forsake you, I could not connect those dots because there was a, uh, a person in my life that had left and had forsaken me. So I could not uh, for a couple of years really connect the dots of when God says no matter what happens, no matter what storm of life you're in, no matter what valley you may be going through, I will never leave you. Right. And, and as a father, uh, I couldn't understand that connection that he was making to me um, as his son. And I think that there are a lot of people in that same vein um, that have a hard time um, connecting the dots, if you will, with the idea of father. But the Bible has a lot to say about it, a lot to say about fathers. 979 times from Genesis to Revelation, the word father is mentioned. But I want to I want to hang my hat here on Psalm 103, verse 13. And then I would like to build around that because I believe it is very, very important. In Psalm 103, verse 13, here's what it says. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So as a father shows compassion to his children, so does the Lord show compassion to those who fear him. This thing about fatherlessness in our homes is, in my opinion, and I can back this up with data by which I will absolutely do, 
the data shows what the Bible has been saying for the last 2,000 plus years. Okay, the, 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 the data, the scientific data, the research data validates what the Bible has been saying since the book of Genesis. That fathers are important in the rearing and upbringing of their children. And, and children should never be punished for the decisions of their parents, right? Because a child never asked to be birthed into this world. Um, they are here by the actions of two people. And even if those two people uh, can't skip down the yellow brick road singing Kumbaya, uh, the child should never have to suffer um, because of the indecisions of two people. So the data, the research, the data, the research absolutely bears, in fact, what the Bible has been saying since the book of Genesis. There is a crisis uh, there is a crisis, and I will specify this specifically to, um, even though we got listeners all around the world, uh, I will specify this specifically to America, um, because there is a crisis in America. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 uh, million children, one in four, live without their biological uh, father. Now, those numbers are going to go up dramatically when we start talking about ethnicities. But as a whole, one in four. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of societal ills facing America today. Research shows when a child is raised in a father absent home, he or she will be affected tremendously in these following ways. Now, watch this. The data shows, the scientific research shows that when a father is not present and actively involved in a child's life, there are repercussions that will follow. It puts our children at greater risk in all of these areas that I'm getting ready to mention. When the father is not there, a child, he or her, is four times greater to be in poverty. When the father is absent from the home, when he is not intricately involved in the lives of his children, the child is four times more likely to live in poverty. Now watch this. I need you to hear that. I need you to hear that when the father is not in the home, intricately involved in his children's lives, he puts his child at a greater risk to live in poverty. When the father is not in the home, he puts his a teenager. Now watch this. This is male or female. Of course, the male is the female is having a baby, but the 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 boy participates in the pregnancy just as much as the as the girl does. When the child, when the father is not in the home and actively in their child's life, they're seven times more likely to have teen pregnancy. Se seven times more likely when the father is not in the home. They are more likely to have behavioral and societal problems, meaning that they don't know how to interact with people. The, their social skills are not as developed um, when the father is not in the home. Child abuse, child abuse is 17, 17 times more likely in a fatherlessness house. Uh, mom health child, two times greater risk of infant mortality, substance abuse. Now, these are all things that are 
uh, repercussions of a father not being there. Not saying that if you didn't have a father in your life that you're going to fall in any one of these categories. The data just suggests that there are four times, seven times, 17 times more likely for these particular things to happen if the father is not there. The father's not there. There is 24 times likely to be involved in alcohol and or drugs. You are 31 times more likely to go to prison. You are 19 times more likely to suffer from childhood obesity and physical problems. You are 29 times more likely to commit not a crime, but a violent crime. You are seven times more likely, excuse me, 17 more times likely to drop out of high school. These are all facts and figures that help us to understand the importance of fathers. And again, as we are approaching Father's Day coming up, Father's Day is not something that we just casually, you know, throw against the wall and hope that it sticks. Yeah, we want you to say that we love you, but I I know some people that are intricately involved in the lives of their children, and they are taking very seriously this thing called fatherhood. And, And what a blessing it is to be a father. Uh, What a blessing it is to be a father. Uh, I I can't tell you the the positive benefits that happen when we are intricately involved in our children's lives. The National Fatherhood Initiative, uh, you'll find that at nationalfatherhoodinitiative.org, Um, These are some stats that they have put together in this scientific research over the last 25 years that show statistics and trends of what it looks like in regards to fatherlessness in our homes. And I believe that one of the greatest detriments in our society, now I'm taking it from America and I'm bringing it to a more specific audience in regards to the African-American community, Um, We see that these numbers in the African-American community have not only risen, but they have gone through the roof. Whereas in 1961, 24% of all new births came to single mothers in 1961. In 1961. In 1961, so you can trace that data all the way back to maybe around early, uh, mid-1940s, all the way up into the 50s. So in 1961, there was a sub-20% of those uh, people in the African-American community that were born to single mothers or out-of-wedlock homes. That number in the most recent de- uh, research that I can find is in 2018. So from a sub 20 in 1961 to 2018, the number now here, this number is now 74 percent. 74 percent of all new births in the African-American community are birthed to single mothers. I want you to think about that number. I want you to think about that number because it is a huge number. And that number will have a likely fallout in the lives of the children being birthed into those particular homes. It is not to say, come on, I say amen. It is not to say that the single mother cannot do her job, do her job very, very well and rear that child in the way that they should go. My mother did an excellent job of that. She did an excellent job of that. And and, and to God be the glory. However, 
However, as good a job as she did as a mother, she could not fulfill the role as a father. And I would be remiss to tell you that at 48 years old, that I cannot point to issues in my life that directly go back to me not having a father. I can see the effects of it. I'm very, very aware of those um, uh, deficiencies in my life that I can directly point to not having a male influence in my life. And and unfortunately, in my life, not only did I not have a father there, um, but I did not have substantial male figures in my life uh, that can lead and guide me into male understanding. Right. Uh, So I didn't have that. So I had a double whammy. I didn't have a father in my life and I didn't have positive or self-affirming male figures to kind of guide me in a direction that I needed to go. But even at 48 years old, married for 20 years with four children, I can see some deficiencies in my life that I can directly connect the dots to of not having a father there. And so it's not just something that happens in your preteen years and in your teen years and in your young adult years. These are things that follow you all the days of your life uh, and that you have to be able to recognize and then be able to address uh, in a very real way. So I understand the the, the issue, the the 30,000 foot view, if you will, of not having a father in the home. And I am telling you, saints of God, I am telling you, saints of God, that within our community, the fatherlessness and all of the new births that are happening in our community are causing damaging effects. Listen, it's not just par for the course. You're not just going to have a baby, have a baby shower, and then say, I don't need no man to help me to raise this child. That's not how it works. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. And I understand that even there are some times in which relationships happen and then a baby comes out of it and it was never the intention of that relationship. I completely understand that paradigm and do not speak against that because apparently even in my own life, that's kind of what happened. Um, so I understand that sometimes the emotions get to going and the sweat gets to dripping and the, uh, you know, the pheromones and all that stuff start raging everywhere and things just kind of happen. And from that little, you know, uh, uh, rendezvous, now you got a baby coming nine months later. And that was never the intention of the relationship. I completely understand that. Uh, completely understand that. However, Um, When a baby is birthed into this world, that baby deserves the best chance to not only survive, but to thrive. Um, The baby, the child, um, the result of that union, even if it was an unplanned uh, uh, union, that baby deserves the best. And what I am telling you is that one of the things that we must be able to address and address it with very, very systematic solutions is this issue of fatherlessness that is ravaging our communities. It is ravaging our communities, saints of God. Um, It is a big, big, big deal. Now watch this. Let me throw a curveball at you. It's even happening in the church. Um, There's a lot of babies in the church. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of babies in the church. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of babies in the church that don't have their father with them. And there's a lot of single mothers in the church who love Jesus, who are born again, who possess the Holy Spirit of God, who are trying to get it right, but are raising this child without the influence of their father. Now, I need to speak to a couple of things very, very quickly. Um, This I am woman, hear me roar. 
Uh, I can do this all by myself. I don't need no man. Just pay me the money that you're supposed to pay me uh, at the first of the month to support this child. Money alone does not support the child. Uh, y- yes, if, if y'all are not together, uh, there should be some financial support that is going on. I completely get that. I completely understand that. But you can't just say, give me the money and leave the influence of the father out of that child's life, because that is not fair to the child. It is not fair. Now, watch this. Even if that man is not the best of men. I get that. I get all of the arguments that may come up in a situation, in a conversation like this, that he ain't worth this or that. He ain't doing this and he ain't doing that. But it's funny that it's always the man not doing this and that and not the woman not doing this and that. It takes the mom and the father to work together cooperatively to help to raise that child so that that child has the best opportunity to succeed in life. It does not discount the fact that if both mom and dad are there, that that child's still not going to make some foolish decisions. However, you greatly increase the likely the odds of success when both parents are operating in unison to the benefit and the welfare of the child. That does not mean that y'all got to get married. It doesn't mean that I am not one of those preachers that suggest that this one night stand, this rendezvous that happened and it has brought forth the child that the answer to that problem is you guys getting married. I'm not one of those guys, but I do bring forth this solution And I do encourage this, that even if marriage is not on the table, there needs to be co-parenting. And I hate to use that term because that term has gotten a whole lot of steam within the last decade. I believe that mom and dad need to cooperatively work together for the welfare of that child. I believe that, everybody, and the data suggests that. Even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't believe in this whole Bible thing, even if you're saying, man, okay, that's preachery stuff, that's that's church stuff, that's this, that, and the other, even if you believe all that, the data, absent of the data from the Word of God, still shows the staggering effects when the father is not in the home and not intricately involved in the lives of his children. Now, we can talk about this from a couple of different ways because the father, in a lot of ways, presents the first opportunity for that child to realize and to understand structure. Uh, The father brings forth uh, discipline and he brings forth structure. When there is no father in the home, when there is no presence in the home, when there's no presence in their life, those two major foundational principles which are needed for success in life go lacking. A father provides structure and a father provides discipline. Okay, that's what he does. That's one of the that's one of the the assignments that he has in rearing up his son or his daughter. And when that is not there, that child goes into life undisciplined, unstructured. And therefore, they don't have the building blocks necessary in order to start building a successful life. Now, can they still be successful? Absolutely. But the learning curve is steep. And so when the father is in the home, a part of the children's lives, please hear this. 
they are presenting that child with a greater opportunity of success. So they look at their fathers to provide a feeling of security, both physical and emotional. Children want to make their fathers proud and they are involved uh, and an involved father promotes the inner growth and strength of their children. Studies have shown that while fathers are affectionate and supportive, it greatly affects the child's cognitive and social development, and it instills an overall sense of well-being and confidence in that child. When the father's there, when, when the father is a part of the fabric of that child's life, they create a greater sense of confidence and well-being in that child. Now, I understand, everybody, that not every father, even when the father is present, that that father can cause irreparable harm, even with him being in the home. I completely get that. I know the stories. I've talked to people that even their father was there in the home every single day, but did not play a very supportive role in their life. Those are exceptions to the rule rather than the rule. Okay, and that's why we don't get caught in the weeds of that, because there is an example for every example under heaven. Yes, there are fathers that are in the home and they are a part of their children's lives. And those fathers are abusive emotionally, physically. I understand all of that. But that does not override the data of when a father is not present. The data when a father is not present is far more greater than having a father who is present, but is not the greatest father. Fathers set the bar for relationships the way that a father treats his child will influence what they look for in other children or other people. Now, let me share this. And this is not um, this is one of those kind of biblical things that it's more of a principle than it is a promise. Um, but nevertheless, the rule still stands. Um, when you're looking at a father's and you break them down with the father relationship to his daughter and a father's relationship to his son, uh, those are two different relationships. Um, I have uh, three daughters and my daughters are daddy's girls um, and, and daddy's girls uh, are, are, are wonderful. Uh, uh, you know, daddy's girls that uh, they're always going to be daddy's girls. But fathers and their daughters are, uh, is a very integral and important relationship. Young girls depend on their father for security and for emotional support. A father shows his daughter what a good relationship with a man is like. If a father is loving and gentle, his daughter will look for those qualities in men when she's old enough to begin looking for men. If a father is strong and valiant, she will relate closely to a man of the same character. It's not it's not a promise. It's a principle. OK, it's not a promise. Uh, uh, you could be that father that is loving, gentle. You could be strong. You could be valiant and your daughter could still bring home a knucklehead that don't look nothing like you. OK, it's not a promise. It's a principle. However, however. We strongly influence how our daughters look for mates as we show them what a man looks like, what a man is supposed to be, how a man is supposed to act, how he takes care of his responsibility, how he takes care of his family. And so when we insulate our daughters in those particular environments, it's not a slam dunk, but there is a greater chance, a greater likelihood 
that they won't go out and bring home a knucklehead that don't look or act or 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 hold themselves anything like you do. Now, again, it's not a promise. It's more of a principle. So when we're looking at our daughters, it is crucial for the for the father to pour into that girl, to pour into her. The first time that your daughter should hear that she's beautiful is not from another man. The father should be telling his daughter how beautiful she is, how godly she is, what God wants to do in her life. The father should be the affirmation of that child. The father should be instilling that foundation into his children and especially into his daughter on a daily basis. She should already know that. So she's not leaving the house looking for something that she's not getting at home because she gets that from her father. She gets respect from her father. Um, she gets support from her father. She gets protection from her father. She gets taking care of business from her father. So she's not going out there looking for this particular guy and trying to meet a need that she's not getting at the house because the father is supplying that to his daughter. Now, I know some fathers who are great fathers and daughters have not done this particular thing. They've gone out and and have met uh, some people that leaves the fathers scratching their heads. Um, There are examples to that, that which I know of men in my own circle uh, where this is unfortunately a reality to where the the daughters have gone out and gotten somebody completely opposite to what they've grown up with. But here's the thing. When you get a testimony of all of those men and those daughters, the daughters now understand the 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 consequence of making that decision and bringing on somebody opposite to their dad. They now see it now as as they are in these particular relationships and they are still having to lean and support and rely on their father. They now understand the error of their way of not bringing home somebody like their father. So I understand that this is not a 100% promise that will work across the board. And that's why we just got to be as diligent and as prayerful as we possibly can as fathers to make sure that we are inputting to our daughters the godly men, the kind of men that they should go, uh, that they should go after. Uh, so fathers and their daughters are absolutely important. For me, having three daughters, uh, I try my best to affirm to reaffirm, I try my best to make sure that my daughters are emotionally secured, spiritually secured um, within their whole body. Okay, the way that they look, the way that they feel, I speak to those issues regularly in their lives. I tell my daughters that I love them every single time that I talk to them so that they're not leaving the house looking for love. Right. I affirm to them how beautiful they are. I affirm to them the the wonderful plan that God has for them. Now, again, I could be, you know, doing all of these things and the 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 the, the promise would skip my house. I pray that it doesn't. Uh, and to that man out there that is listening and you've done this to your daughters and you've affirmed them, you've prayed for them, you showed them the right way and they've gone off tilter just a little bit. Be encouraged. Be, 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 be encouraged uh, because that is Proverbs 22 and six. 
Okay, you've shown the way, we, you, you've done the due diligence, but stay the course. And so I'm very, very sensitive to this, uh, to this issue because, again, I have men in my own circle to where this is uh, an unfortunate reality. So our daughters are very, very important. Our daughters need to understand how a man should treat them, how they should talk to them. Uh, I, I, in, in the years that I've been a father, I've been very, very aware of not yelling at my daughters, not raising my voice at my daughters, um, even in anger, uh, even in disappointment where we have to discipline them. Um, and even when the, the, the in the times in which the, the octave of my voice had to go up a couple of degrees, I've always got to make sure that I affirm them and don't crush them in the moment because I'm a man. And a man's voice, a man's words carries weight. And so even in those moments of disappointment and frustration and all the stuff that goes along with parenting, I have to make sure that I am aware of the weight of my voice because the weight of my voice can crush them in the moment. And so you got to be aware that, especially with our daughters, because our daughters uh, can be emotional, they can internalize a whole lot of things, and therefore we could set up a, a, a very detrimental precedent by being overly aggressive, even in our parenting. So I'm very, very aware of that with my daughters. Fathers and their sons, unlike girls who model the relationship of others based on their father's character, boys model themselves after their father's character. Boys will seek the approval of their fathers from a very, very young age. This is absolutely true. As human beings, we grow up imitating the behavior of those around us. That's how we learn how to function in the world. If a father is caring and treats people with respect, the young boy will grow up much the same. When the father is absent, young boys look for other male figures to set the rules for how to behave and survive in the world. So when the son, the, the, the father-son relationship is a much different relationship than the father-daughter relationship. And you have to understand that those are two different relationships and you cannot approach them in the same way. You're dealing with two different people from two different vantage points. You cannot approach them in the same way, right? You love everybody equally, but you don't treat everybody the same. Everybody is loved equally. Like I don't have any favorites, I got four children. I don't have any favorites. So you love everybody equally, but you don't treat everybody the same. You treat people based on the personality of the person. You got to tailor that relationship around the personality of the person, lest you start treating somebody like somebody else. And thus you start in, uh, in um, start uh, casting on them expectations on somebody else. And that's not fair to that person. So the boys emulate their fathers. Now, again, as I look at my own life um, and being raised around women, um, I was unfortunately a womanizer um, because I knew all the tricks. I knew all the tricks of women because I grew up around women. So I, I knew uh, what to look for. I, I knew the signs. <laughs> I, I knew that because I grew up around women. Um I didn't I didn't have the man in my life that treated a woman with respect and dignity 
um, and honor. Uh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. Literally, I never saw a relationship, uh, a relationship like that at all growing up. Uh, even when my mom got remarried, I, you know, that relationship between uh, her and him and even me and him was just not a very good relationship. Uh, so I've never seen a man model um, care, compassion, and concern for other people. Uh, it was not into my later years in life that I was able, and I, and, and I say this, everybody, not as some spiritual pie in the sky, please, um, I digress from that. But everything that I've learned on how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a man um, in these years of my life, I have literally learned from the word of God. I pray, I thank God that God has sent some men in my life um, in these later years of my life, the last 15 plus years specifically, um, Pastor August, um, I got Pastor Lee. I got some wonderful people around me, um, some real wonderful people that love the Lord, love their families, love their wives. Um, but for most of my years growing up, I didn't see this. I, I didn't see this particular model. Um, so I was just kind of out there bumping my head up against whatever worked. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, I would adjust just a little bit. But I didn't have this particular model by which to pattern my relationships after. So as a son, I definitely see um, this effect even in my own life that because I didn't have somebody to model this, I had no idea on how to model it with other people. So young boys look for fathers. They look for a, uh, uh, um, uh, a role figure in their life to, su to support them with some rules and structures. Um, one of the greatest things that you'll find in psychology is that when you're finding out this phenomenon about why young men join gangs, um, in Research Today, which is a publication that comes out quarterly, uh, this was in 2013, it found that 89% of the boys who join gangs, 89% of those boys come from fatherless homes. 89% of them. 89% of those who join gangs come from fatherless homes. When you're looking at the prison system and the prison population, and the prison population as a whole, um, we had Pastor Charles Anderson on here a few weeks ago, um, even in the prison population as a whole, you'll see that 71% of those who are incarcerated come from fatherlessness homes or uh, homes where the relationships with their fathers were not intact. Uh, so 71% of those who are in prison right now uh, did not have a relationship with their father or had a very troubled relationship with their father. And you see the ramifications of that in every aspect of our, of our lives, every aspect of our lives. You can't get away from the data when you draw correlations to how it looks like in today. And so there is huge, huge issues um, when we're talking about fatherlessness. So as we're coming up on Father's Day, um, as we're coming up on Father's Day and you've got a father that is in your life, if you got a, a show enough father that's in your life, you, you, got, um, you fall into this particular category where your father has been there. Uh, maybe your father, and trust me, I'm speaking as a father, we have not done all things right. Uh, we have missed the mark and we've missed the mark on more than a few occasions. Um, even when we had the best intentions in mind, uh, we still miss the mark. 
Um, but if you got somebody that you know that has been doing what they do as a father, they have stepped up to the plate as a father. They have assumed that role. They did not crawfish uh, when they got the news that the baby was on the way, but they stepped up to the plate and they assumed that godly responsibility and that God, that godly role. You ought to celebrate them. You ought to celebrate them. You ought to celebrate them. Um, because I promise you, you don't understand the full weight of having a father in your life, but you are benefiting and reaping from your father being in your life. You are reaping tremendous benefits in life right now if you had your father in your life. If you could put your hands on your father, if you could touch your father, if your father provided that emotional and supportive role, you are reaping the benefits of it right now, even if you're not aware of it. Even if you're not aware of it, you are reaping that benefit right now. So understanding if you've got a father in your life, if you got somebody in your life that has stepped up to the plate, honor that person. And even if it's not your biological father, but you had a man in your life that assumed a fatherly role, uh, that person that came in and provided you with support and that person that came in and provided you with the things that you needed, uh, honor that person, honor that person. Uh, it is my declaration. It is my intention to make Father's Day a very, 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 very big deal. Uh, I praise God that even in my own life, everybody, by God's grace, by God's mercy, by God's kindness, uh, I have broken the generational curse of fatherlessness in my home. Uh, it has been broken and it has been broken forever. Uh, the curse of fatherlessness will never be uh, in the home and household. And I thank God for that. I thank God for his grace, for his mercy. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for that because what that has allowed us to do is to set a different trend in motion. Uh, I, I, one of the greatest joys, and, and again, um, for me, it, it is about it, it is about generational um, uh, being generationally effective. Um, it's about looking at my kids and seeing them operate under the blessings that God has placed over our lives and then seeing them do that with their kids and then seeing their kids do that with their kids and watching that and the great joy. The great joy that it brings somebody. Now, I'm not a, grand, uh, a grandpa um, right now, praise God. Um, I won't be uh, prayerfully until the Lord says so. But I, I look forward to the days of being a grandpa, you know, to being a granddad, you know, and then watching my kids, you know, parent and, and do certain things. Um, just the joy that it that 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 has to be over uh, a parent's life when they see their child doing it right. Uh, maybe not doing everything right, crossing every T and dotting every I, but doing it right. And so, as we celebrate Father's Day, please, please hear Pastor Holman. Please hear Pastor Holman. Uh, don't go by Soup Mart and pick up no nine dollar tie. We don't need no more ties. Uh, we don't need any more uh, uh, socks uh, and, and, and the cards are wonderful. Just make sure that when we open up those cards, some stuff fall out. Um, uh, honor them in a great way. Honor them in a great, great, great way. Uh, I want to give you this last uh, couple, two more verses, and then uh, which will help to uh, bring to um, fruition what we're talking about here today. 
in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs had a lot to say about fathers and sons and fathers and daughters and the relationship of what fathers had in the lives of their children. But in Proverbs chapter number 20, verse number seven, it says the righteous one walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. The righteous one walks in his integrity, Proverbs 20 and seven, and his children are blessed after him because he, the father, the man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him because he is laying a foundation because he is walking a path. His children get to benefit because of what God is doing in his life. In Proverbs chapter number one, I want to read this to you. Um, because Proverbs chapter number one is that oldie but goodie. I personally draw from that well of wisdom quite often in my own life. Um, if you're not a avid reader of the book of Proverbs, I promise you, you are missing um, some great, great truth. Uh, but in Proverbs chapter number one, beginning that verse number one, it says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. That's how it starts off. This is the proverb of Solomon. He identifies as the son of David, the king of Israel. So here is a son on behalf of his father. He says to know wisdom and instruction and to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand the proverb and an enigma and the words of the wise and their riddles. To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now hear what he says in verse number eight. My son, hear the instruction of your father. So Proverbs goes through this big, long list all the way to Proverbs chapter number 31. So 31 chapters are laced full of wisdom. And a lot of that wisdom is coming down from father to son. It is when the father has experienced certain things in life where he is trying now to impart to his son, to his children, some of the lessons that he has learned in life and trying to steer his children from the pitfalls of life. Now, it's not it's not a promise. It's a principle. Okay, because we sometimes we can talk and we can talk and we can talk and we can talk. But however, 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 sometimes they're still going to make some foolish decisions. So as you are approaching Father's Day, I want you to celebrate to the highest degree fathers, 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 you are needed Um to play an important role in your children's lives. You are needed. You are needed. You are needed. You are needed. God has an assignment for us that we must step up to the plate and do. We got to step up to the plate and assume this godly, this greatest role of father, of being a father, of being a father, just be a good father. And I promise you, as you are being a good father, you are pouring the concrete and setting the tone, pouring the foundation for your children. Now they're not going to do everything that we want them to do. We didn't do everything our parents wanted us to do. And we still don't do everything that God wants us to do. 
So don't get caught in the weeds when, you know, the children are out there acting, you know, in a way that is not becoming. I get that. That's part of life. But as a father, I want to encourage you. If you are a father and you have not been present in your child's life, um, you, you've made some mistakes um, and you have not been a part of your child's life. Listen, if you can hear me now, it is never too late to get it right. You can start where you are. Now, listen, it does not mean that the road is going to be easy. Um, it does not mean that it's going to be a pleasant road. Not at all. Not at not at all. But if you've made some mistakes in you being a father in your fatherhood, listen, don't throw in the towel. Don't chunk it in. Don't say, well, you know, that is what it is. I can't do nothing about it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Engage where you are right now. Begin the process. And I want to pray for you that if you're in a situation right now to where you and the mother are not on talking terms and unfortunately the child is the ping pong ball between both of you guys, I will pray that the spirit of the Lord will bring peace in that situation and that the child does not suffer for the decisions of his parents. I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus that if you are that man right now that is watching and you have not been intricately involved in your child's life, and you know that you could have done better, and you can do better, then my encouragement to you is to do better. And to that woman out there right now in Jesus' name who's watching, and you got some angst against the, the, the father of your children, and, and there's some things going on between you and him, and, and maybe y'all guys don't get along. Maybe y'all guys don't see eye to eye. Maybe there are some stark differences in the way that y'all do things. Uh, I will pray for you as well. I, I will pray that the spirit of the Lord will bring peace even in that situation as well um, so that God receives the glory because children should not have to suffer because they did not ask to be brought into this world. Uh, fathers matter. Uh, fathers matter. Fathers matter. Jesus being the son of God uh, looked up to his father um, if that doesn't give you the perfect example of why fathers are important, then I don't know what it is. So happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Happy, 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 happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. I pray that uh, those around you make a big, big deal on the tremendous job that you're doing, on how you love the Lord, how you love your children, and how you're doing the best that you possibly can. I want to encourage you to stay in the fight, to do the best you possibly can, and to raise your children in the best way that you possibly can. Because you are benefiting their lives in ways that they don't understand right now. But I promise you, uh, when it's all said and done, uh, in that in that great day, they're going to come and say thank you uh, because you have provided and are providing a very supportive and, and, and beneficial role in their lives. So, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us here. Make sure that you uh, like, follow, and subscribe. Uh, make sure if you're on YouTube right now, the yes that you subscribe, but on the right-hand uh, box of that subscribe button, there's a little bell right there. Make sure that you click that bell so that you stay in the know. There's coming some merch um, from Studio B. The merch store will be opening up here very, very shortly to where you'll be able to get some very cool Studio B shirts um, that we will be providing via YouTube uh, on our YouTube channel. So everybody, make sure that you are liking, following, and subscribing. Don't miss anything that's going on on the set of Studio B. Be encouraged, be informed, and be bold. Studio B, we'll see you next week. Week.